in conversation with Indeed and uh, quite a few comments coming in uh, about uh, the men who, one man at least, who was arrested for allegedly being an arsonist. Uh, the original statement that the person gave to the police is that they were cold, but we don't know. Um, they're still going through the process of questioning. They're still going through uh, the process of being questioned. But I need to add that there's a lot of, a lot of tikkupa also hang out around that part of the mountain as well and other unsavory characters um, who are homeless for the wrong reasons. And uh, if that's the case, they must be locked away for a very long time. If they're genuinely homeless, that's another story entirely. As uh, Ramadan uh, continues, uh, we look at how the pandemic has affected the holy month and how people are now managing or remanaging their time during this uh, sacred period. We now go over the ocean all the way to Turkey and we chat chat to Dr. Mehruddin, a postdoctoral fellow at the Center for Islam and Global Studies at the Istanbul Sabahatin Zaim University in Turkey. Dr. Mirajuddin, assalamu alaikum and welcome to Voice of the Cape. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah. I'm honored to be on your channel. And I hope I'm not disturbing your um, iftar or anything due to the time differences. It's completely fine. All right. Now, obviously, uh, Ramadan uh, since last year has changed a lot, hasn't it? Uh, A lot of uh, countries used to have uh, markets. People used to break their fast in restaurants, on pavements, in the streets, all over the place. It's changed a lot, hasn't it? Yeah, undoubtedly it has taken a paradigmatic shift in terms of how sort of people use it to celebrate Ramadan and plan their activities during the month of Ramadan. But pandemic has totally shifted us, the whole humanity, and especially the Muslim world when it comes to Ramadan, to a new, it has shaped completely a new paradigm, a new perspective to engage with the month of Ramadan and the activities we do in Ramadan. And of course, I, mean, I think the most difficult thing um, for for Muslims has, I think, been social distancing. You know, we hug each other when we greet each other, men shake hands, women uh, kiss each other on the cheek, that we are um, a very physical and loving ummah. And um, the sort of COVID has kind of taken that away from us. Yeah, without doubt, as you rightly said, that the very idea of Islam or fasting is is making ourselves more and more expressive in terms of our love for humanity, for people around us, for our families, sitting together, being together, having having iftari together. It has seriously affected the whole approach of dealing with the month of Ramadan and dealing with people around us, without doubt. Now, Istanbul for centuries, and when one says centuries about Istanbul, we mean at least 800 years. Um, yeah. It's not like just a couple of hundred years in other places. What, what generally has been the Ramadan customs of, of Istanbul, a big, thriving, buzzing metropolitan area like Istanbul? Yeah, as you, as you said, that Istanbul is the heart 
hurt. It is this city which is being like travelled by people all across the globe, and people really normally, even without Ramadan, Istanbul is a city where people thrive and come and and then and spend their best times in 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 their of their lives. And especially when it comes to Ramadan, uh, Muslims have their own approach of, of dealing with Ramadan, and there is. There is big tarabis which are held, Quranic sessions which are held in, in the month of Ramadan, and different kinds of dishes. As you know, that Istanbul is the hub of foods and every sort of sort of activities. So a lot of activities are revolves around Istanbul, and people even come from US, from UK, especially for the month of Ramadan to celebrate in Turkey or especially in Istanbul. And I think it has it has been it has people I talk to often here. They are really not really not happy because they could they could. They could express themselves. They could feel the month of Ramadan in, in Istanbul, especially, and it has it has really changed a lot, a lot since last two years. And I have shifted here Istanbul to Istanbul just a couple of times back, and I have come from Kashmir, which has altogether its own different history of Ramadan and politics and conflict. And and I have seen a different kind of Ramadan in Istanbul. But since past two years, people are really struggling to do what they love to do in the month of Ramadan. No, absolutely. I mean, you, you make a very good point. Uh, um, you come from Kashmir, and I know that there is quite a large Kashmiri population in Istanbul. There's a Palestinian one, and uh, from all nations of the world. I mean, Istanbul is, uh, I think, what we would definitely call a cosmopolitan city where, as you so correctly said, all different cultures, people, madhahibs, everything comes together uh, once it's uh, iftar time. Exactly, exactly. There is there is an organization I, I was in touch with when, when I came here. It is called the Istanbul Muslim Collective, who used to organize iftaris at a, at a very famous mosque in Istanbul called the Suleymaniyah Mosque. Mm. And I could see people, Muslims from all across uh, religious religious divide or people from different schools of thought and also people from different faiths sitting together and having an iftari together which turns and shapes a very diverse different understanding it gives a platform for people from across traditions across religious divide across schools across religions to come and sit together and understand each other so ramadan really in istanbul is sort of an opportunity not only to come out of your own cocoon or even or your own understanding of religion but rather gives you an opportunity to understand people from diverse backgrounds, from diverse religious traditions. And it is such an opportunity which comes in a lifetime. No, absolutely interesting point you make. And of course, the Soleimaniyah Mosque, uh, one of the, the most beautiful mosques um, in the Ottoman Empire, built by Mimar Sinan. I mean, it's, a, yeah, it's an architectural exactly. masterpiece. And because of that, um, it gives the, the iftar just an extra special atmosphere because exactly. of the way in which the mosque has been built. The mosque is built for that. Exactly, exactly, exactly. It, it, see, for, 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 I think also when it comes to the idea of architecture and Ramadan, people who have written on the idea of architecture in Islam or the, the kind of transcendental message which is, which is, which is ingrained or which is inbuilt in the idea of architecture. So there is a very good article written by um, by a North African scholar called as um, uh, The Silent Theology of Islamic Art. So how sort of this architecture connects you to the sacred, to the transcendental, and the architecture of Suleymaniyah Mosque, how it is built, the, the gardens around it, and then 
the view from there to the Bosphorus, and then you sit there, you 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 experience the majesty of that mosque, and you understand that there is something sacred also, which has been unfortunately, which has been unfortunately turned into now a a a, 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 a building a, con- a concrete buildings in modernity. But when you look at these mosques, whether that is Blue Mosque, whether that is Soleimania Mosque, they help you to connect to the sacred and also evoke those feelings of sacred. So it is undoubtedly a, a masterpiece, a masterpiece. No, absolutely. And um, the, the, the skill of the architecture um, is, as you've mentioned, it's, you sit there, beautiful trees, um, you, you can see the ocean, you can, you can sort of feel a beautiful atmosphere. And then, of course, um, as, it start, as the sun sets, the lights sort of turn on in the mosque. So there's a nur that almost draws people to come inside the mosque. It makes the mosque an inviting place. Exactly, exactly, exactly. You're, you're exactly right. And you can sort of, as I, as I earlier said, that people who, who come from, for example, developing countries, or people who come from places which which doesn't have that majestic architectural uh, epitome. When people come to these places and and they they experience how you sort of connect to these places and how you sort of connect your own legacy, a legacy which is which is worth admiring and also which is which which shapes your spiritual being, which which evokes something spiritual within you. So also it helps us to understand how modernity has dismantled the very spirituality within us. So coming back, connecting it with the very idea of a Ramadan, the very idea of a Ramadan was that you connect to the divine, you connect to the sacred, you connect to the God. And I think pandemic was in a way a blessing in disguise, in a way that it helps us, it gave us a space from our busy lives, shopping, buying, from this consumerist culture, it helped us to be at one place, concentrate more on our lives, on our lives, concentrate more on our being, of who we are, where we come from, what is the purpose of life. And it gave us that break to understand, to, to sort of self-introspect, as Nabi Alayhi said, Hasibu kabla anto hasabu. Introspect, ask yourself, before it will be asked on the day of judgment. So I think this has really given Muslims a space, this pandemic, and then also being in Istanbul. So it has given Muslims a space, that this pandemic, and gave us that break we needed from our busy lives to ponder, to, to rethink what is the purpose of life? What is what is what we are doing? Is it, or are we going in the right direction or not? So it is, it is kind of an opportunity. Indeed. Um, in Istanbul, has... Uh, the COVID uh, scenario, has it made people become perhaps more family conscious during Ramadan, that families are sitting more together around the iftar table, for example, um, and people are not sort of breaking their fast in the traffic, which which kind of used to be a, th- a thing that used to happen in the past. Exactly, exactly. You're, you're right to the point. I think it has given, it has given Muslim families at least two opportunities. One, they have got a break from their busy lives. Another, they have been able to give time to their families, which they often don't give because of their busy schedules and their, in their normal lives. So I think it has, it has given Muslims two opportunities. One is to spend time with their families and one to spend time with their God. So they are trying. It, it, it is an opportunity to to, to fulfil both the both the responsibilities of hukukullah and hukukul ibad.
Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. And, and, and how have the streets of Istanbul changed since, since COVID in the last two Ramadans? Because traditionally speaking, um, for the benefit of our listeners, it used to be a real buzz. I think that's the only way to describe it. Um, it was, it's, it's, quite, it's quite an amazing uh, experience to break one's fast in a city like Istanbul, particularly if you're a visitor from a country like South Africa and possibly even Kashmir like yourself. Exactly, you're right. Uh, I, think, uh, I think it has changed a lot, not only in Istanbul, but all across the world. As you know, that people are struggling, people are, people are not... People are not able to live fully or do fully or or experience what normally people used to experience life in Istanbul during the month of Ramadan. And I think last year it was really very strict, very strict. There were no mosques, there were no prayers in the mosque, not even the five prayers, let alone Tarawih prayers. But this year there is some sort of relaxation. There is a curfew past seven till the Sahri, and also there is weekend curfews. But normally there is some space where there is people sort of come together. There are Quranic classes which are happening with social distancing. There are some halakas which are happening. There are some scholars, especially some Syrian scholars who have come here after the after the conflict in Syria. So there are some scholars who are taking classes, who are doing some, some programs. There are some sisters I know who are coming together and doing programs for sisters here. So Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, it has been quite better than the last year. Do you think another aspect has been the the generosity of of people? This is something that has really amazed us in, in South Africa. That uh, I, mean, I mean, a lot of people around the world are suffering right now more than ever before because of COVID. Yet you find so many people, and sometimes they haven't got a lot themselves, but just giving out so much to others. Exactly. Exactly. This is, I think, also, as I said, that the that pandemic has sort of evoked that lost feeling within us of, of, of that feeling of shared humanity, of that of that shared pain for, for other fellow beings, not only Muslims, but 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 the whole humanity. And I think this this, this generosity, this this which is part of our culture, which is part of our tradition, we have always been like this and we have been all, always told like this, as Nabi Ali Sattwaslam said in a hadith, that before you go to sleep after your eating, look at your neighbor. And somebody asked, who is our neighbor? He said, 40 houses from your right, 40 from left, 40 from front, and 40 from back. So I think it is. it was part of our tradition. And I think pandemic gave us an opportunity to, to restart or to reconnect with that lost legacy so that it becomes more visible. And alhamdulillah, it has become more visible in the Muslim world. No, it, 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 it certainly has. And um, as you say, things are slowly but surely uh, starting to open up in a, a very gentle manner. Do you think uh, things are ever going to go back to what they were before? I'm not going to use the word normal because I don't know what normal is. But do you <laughs> think they will go back to what they were before? Yeah, as... as uh, as you said, I think I think the very idea of the word normal, even if I talk about in a philosophical context, the word normal has changed its dynamics now. It has. Now, some, even in philosophical terms, we call it a post-normal times. So I think the very idea of normal is changing, changing its definition all the time now. And I think humanity has to now 
cope up with this reality that that you have to you have to engage with different definitions and ideas of normal now because now from last year we we see and we are experiencing that we are in a new normal in post pandemic times or in pandemic times so we need to accept these realities now and that is what is going to is happening and is going to happen and uh, what do you think of young people i mean i i know of of um of young people who are growing up wearing masks for them to wear a mask is normal for them to social distance is normal we're going to have to be do some adjustments inshallah um if things go back to not normal but to to what they perhaps were before yeah exactly i think i think uh, if i if I, i look at it in a different in a different way i think covid uh, has especially to our younger generation i think who are too much busy with social media and their and, and happenings in their lives and their studies and their future i think covid through these restrictions has helped them to pause and think i think i think the the, the rush in our lives the, the busyness in our lives too much pressure from our lives especially especially a place like istanbul where everything is happening so fast i think this pandemic has given these young people an opportunity because it has put them in a it has put them in an unconscious disciplining it has unconsciously disciplined them in a way that they are supposed to wear masks they are supposed to sanitize they are supposed to do social distancing so it is in a way a restrictive way it has put some some restrictions which are asking them to stay back from certain things and i think it it is a it is a moment as there's a very famous philosopher his name is martin heidegger he has written a book called what is called thinking and he he writes that humanity really needs to take a break and start thinking start thinking about things happening around them and i think young generation has got this opportunity to start thinking and engaging and i think not not being in rush of taking decisions of 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 being of being consumed in this consumerist materialist culture Absolutely. Dr. Mirajuddin, postdoctoral fellow, Center for Islam and Global Affairs, SIGA for short, in Istanbul. Uh, shukran for talking to us about uh, Ramadan in Istanbul and uh, for the beautiful philosophical discussion that we enjoyed as well. May your thank Ramadan you, you. be a thank very beautiful so one. Thank you so much for inviting me. Jazakallah. Salaamun Alaikum. Welcome, Salaam. In conversation with Shafiq Morton.